The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling Feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. You know, unless you're wearing Philly red or you're, you're a Philly, they don't like you. You know, and I love that. It's Philly, man. They, they hate you. Welcome to the Ringers. Philly special. I'm Shiel Kapadia. The Phillies take game five of the NLCS, beat the Diamondbacks six to one, go up three, two in the series. You know what this is. It's a solo post game pod. Listen, it's been an emotionally exhausting three games. Thank God the Phillies do not play a baseball game on Sunday. My body would not be able to handle it. Your body would not be able to handle it. We get a day off. The series will return to Citizens Bank Park on Monday. Phillies need to win one more game to advance to the World Series for the second consecutive year. When we last spoke, they were up 2-0. I was talking about stress-free baseball. I'll admit it. I was thinking sweet, maybe five games. I did not think this series was returning to Philadelphia, but Man, the Diamondbacks, uh, they battle, they're resilient, they had the walk-off in Game 3, and then Game 4, just an all-time frickin' disaster for the Phillies, just, I mean, text messages, thread, just every, Rob Thompson, Craig, everybody getting crushed for that game, and rightfully so, but the Phillies bounce back, win this game up 3-2, let's talk about it with our takeaways, all right. Story of the game to me, Zach Wheeler, stopper, Zach Wheeler, ace. 
I mean, think about what was at stake in this game. If Zach Wheeler does not bring it in this game, if he has a bad outing, if he, you know, gives up, if he's not even a bad outing, if he goes like, you know, five and two thirds and allows three runs and this is it. Think about how we're feeling right now. If things would have gone sideways for just one player in this game with everything on the line, he had to be out there. I, I said five and two thirds. They, they, he had to pitch more than that. They couldn't go to the bullpen after the way game four unfolded. It was all on him to not only pitch well, but to go long in this game so that they didn't have to resort to options that you didn't want them to resort to, that I didn't want them to resort to, that nobody wanted them to resort to. They didn't have the arms. They didn't have the bodies. He was going to have to stay out there regardless. And guess what? The man came through once again. Seven innings, 99 pitches, one earned run on six hits, eight strikeouts, one walk, just everything you could ever want from your ace in this spot. Uh, think about what Wheeler's done so far for them this postseason, okay? Four playoff starts. He has a 2.08 ERA, 34 strikeouts, two walks, has not allowed more than two earned runs in any one start this postseason. Again, that's four starts. And then you can even take it back to last year. I mean, he pitched well last year, maybe not quite to this level in every start. And hopefully there's still uh, a couple more starts where we get to watch Zach Wheeler pitch here. But last two postseasons, he has started 10 games and he has an ERA of 2.48. He has allowed two earned runs or fewer in eight of those 10 postseason starts. I mean, uh, I talk when, you know, when we do uh, Philly Special for Eagles, I talk about how it sucks to be a wide receiver. You know, you go out there, you're playing maybe 50, 60 offensive plays. The ball's getting thrown to you if you're good, like six times out of that. And those might not even be good passes. You might only have a few times. And you have to do all this stuff during the week just to lead to those plays. Well, it kind of sucks to be a starting pitcher, uh, too, in the postseason. Because think about it. I mean, you can have three great starts. You have one terrible start. And everyone is going to remember the time that you came up short. Well, we don't have to worry about that yet. Hopefully, we don't have to worry about it at all for Zach Wheeler. I mean, he could have pitched poorly in this game and you would have been bummed. You would have been disappointed. But hey, you know, nobody's perfect. He's pitched. He pitched well uh, in his previous three starts. You couldn't really crush him if he came out and he wasn't just lights out in this game. But again, we don't have to worry about that because he was lights out in this game. Uh, he just manages to come through over and over and over again. Uh, just a special, special pitcher where I think he's one of those guys that when his like career wraps up, when it's over, when we have time to reflect, uh, just going to be, you know, there's a, a lot of talk now. Is he the most underappreciated, underrated athlete uh, in Philadelphia since whoever? Yeah, I do think, I don't, I don't know if that's the case because I think every Phillies fan right now and certainly the ones listening to this podcast, I think you absolutely appreciate him and maybe this is the run that will put him in that upper echelon in everyone's minds. But I do think it's fair to say he is one of these guys that, it's going to take a little time. Once he's uh, no longer on the team, or maybe once this run is over, we're going to reflect and be like, man, you could just trust that guy. You felt good when he was getting the ball in big games, and he came through almost every time he was out there 
in these big spots. So uh, terrific job, Zach Wheeler. I mean, listen, there were there the the scenarios where this thing would have gone sideways, would have gone badly early on, and all of a sudden you're potentially facing three straight losses and coming back to Philadelphia in an elimination game. I, I don't even want to think about it. You don't want to think about it. Uh, luckily, we don't have to think about it because of the way Zach Wheeler pitched in this game. All right, next category. When the game was won. I'm going to the sixth inning. Phillies are up 2 nothing at the time. You're feeling good. You're not feeling great. How could you feel great with the way games three and four went? You couldn't. I mean, with a 2 nothing lead, are you kidding me? Uh, knowing that who are the options that are even going to be coming into this game? After Zach Wheeler is out of the game, no, no, two nothing was not a cushion where you were feeling really good. You had no idea who was going to come in after Wheeler, and you're terrified that the bullpen is going to blow it. That's how you felt at that time. However, Kyle Schwarber leads off the inning and launches one, 461 feet, longest home run by any player in the 2023 postseason. It's one of those, as soon as you saw the swing, you saw his reaction, you did not have to look to see is the ball going to get over or not. You knew right away from his reaction that that was a home run, that that was a bomb, 114.1 miles per hour off the bat, the hardest hit ball by any player in this game. Just a complete no-doubter, puts the Phillies up 3-0. That was Kyle Schwarber's fifth home run of the series. Per Sarah Langs uh, on Twitter, she tweeted, that's tied for the second most home runs in a single series in postseason history. No one has had more than six. Think about that. They've only played five games, five homers in five games. If he hits one more home run in this series, that will be tied for the most home runs by a single player in postseason history in one series. Kyle Schwarber is having an absurd NLCS right now. He is hitting 368. He has an OBP of 556. He has a 1.76 OPS. I already mentioned the five homers. He is on an absolute tear where you're thinking to yourself, where would they be without this version of Schwarber? I mean, even in those losses, He was coming through uh, for them. So uh, Kyle Schwarber just coming through in a huge spot gives them, I don't know if insurance run is uh, is the right word since it was the sixth inning there, but that was a huge home run in a big spot. And then, of course, two batters later, Bryce Harper follows Schwarber up with a bomb of his own. And again, same thing. You knew right off the bat, that one is gone. You don't have to worry about it. It's tough to hit home runs in this ballpark. Not that one. 444 feet, 112.4 miles per hour. Off the bat, Harper just absolutely crushed it. Now, here's something I was interested in. When he was rounding third and coming home, did you see who was he staring at? He looks over to his right. I'm going, is he staring at the Diamondbacks dugout? Like, what is going on here? Uh, I did watch his post-game press conference. They didn't air the whole thing. Uh, He was not asked about that. He did not mention who he was staring at. So I don't know if it was the Diamondbacks dugout, because here's the deal with the Diamondbacks. They are a very different team than the Atlanta Braves. Like, one thing that has sort of bothered me during the season is that they're not hateable enough. I mean, 
like like they don't have the villains. The Braves, I mean, it was so easy. Just pick any one of those guys. Strider, RC, I mean, even the guys who seemed like, you know, harmless. You could still work up some sports hate for them. With this with Diamondbacks team, it's tough to do. Like, I, you're just not, you know, you're, it's, you're just not seeing uh, the same type of, uh, th- there are no villains. The emotions don't rise out of you like the way they did against the Braves. So I don't know if it was someone uh, on the Diamondbacks. I don't know if it was just like, I'm going to look at their entire dugout and let them know that they are not winning this series. Uh, I don't know if he like convinced himself that Arcia was over there, maybe snuck in. Uh, maybe he convinced himself Corbin Carroll yelled attaboy Harper at some point. I have no idea who he was looking at. I did see someone on Twitter, I forget who it was, mention that Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Michael Phelps were sitting in that direction. Is it possible they just kind of caught his eye and he, or he knows them and was just looking over at them uh, as he rounded third and was coming home? I don't know. That That's next on my, you know, I, I, I've been tasking uh, the Phillies beat writers with homework. We'll get to some of that later uh, throughout this series, throughout this postseason. Uh, that's the next one. And again, maybe by the time you listen to this, the answer could already be out there and we will already know. But I thought that was pretty interesting that he was looking over there. Anyway, that home run puts the Phillies up for nothing. So Schwarber, then Harper, two guys who, I mean, you, you just trust them to come through over and over again. They've had so many moments here over the last two two years. These guys are tied for the most home runs in franchise history with 11 apiece. They're tied with Jason Worth. It took Jason Worth 40 playoff games to hit 11. They've done it in 28 games each. Uh, incredible. They're, they're going to beat that record. Hopefully this postseason again. I, listen, I'm so aware of Kapadia cursing stuff right now that I'm going to sound like the most paranoid podcaster you've ever heard because the way, way games three and four went and how I was feeling with an irrational confidence going into those games, I am taking nothing for granted. I'm not even going to mention, you know, who do you want to put? No, no, no. None of that. Uh, no World Series talk. We are focused. I'm, I'm like a cliched NFL coach right now. We are focused on game six and game six only one game at a time. Anyway, to put the cap on that, sixth inning was huge. Um, You know, you zoom out, I guess the game was really one in the first inning because the Diamondbacks only scored one run. So those two runs that you got in the first inning ended up holding up. Obviously, you didn't know that at the time. You didn't know that throughout the game. Uh, I thought the sixth inning was when I started to feel at least a little bit comfortable. You're not going to be totally comfortable. Uh, That's when I felt like the Phillies really took control of this game, went up 4-0, and then ended up closing it out. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, get to some more categories as we go through game five of the NLCS. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, 
you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts, just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I.com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. By the way, uh, Michael Phelps, tremendous career, no doubt about it. You know, all the gold medals, all that stuff. But when I see him, are you like me? Where all you think about is, get your Michael Phelps on, your Michael Phelps. All I can think about anytime I see him, when I hear his name, when I read his name, when I see him on TV, that's all I'm thinking about. So nice job out of you, Sean Andrews. Listen, it was, uh, it was really a very, uh, very catchy verse back in the day. And I think we should bring it back. I'm going to talk to Cliff. I would like to get that integrated uh, into the Ringer Philly special podcast because uh, it's a part of my life, might be a part of your life. All right. Next category, CBC moment of the game. Still looking for the sponsor. You know, some of you are, you know, friend of the pod, Rich Bobby. He, he's tagging like a bidet company uh, out there. Others have suggested, uh, listen, we'll, we'll see what comes through. Hopefully, like I said, we still have more games to go through here. Uh, I do appreciate how many of you love the CBC meter. I mean, I'm getting messages everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, text, you name it, with people just dropping CBC references left and right throughout the course of these playoff games, you know that I love that. Uh, For this game specifically, there really weren't a ton. I mean, it was weird because you didn't feel totally comfortable throughout the game. You definitely were thinking, all right, this could go sideways. Certainly before the Phillies had that sixth inning, you were feeling that way, but it wasn't like the Diamondbacks were putting runners uh, in scoring position every inning and Wheeler was pitching out of jams. I mean, they had some base runners, but uh, there weren't a bunch of those moments. So I'm going to go to the fifth inning for the CBC moment of the game. It's a 2-0 game at that time. Perdomo singles, and then Corbett Carroll rips one. 396 feet to center field. I don't mean to pick on the announcers here, but based on the call of this hit, you would have thought that thing went 600 feet. And was long gone. That was on my radar a little bit with this broadcast. Like it happened a couple times. Now listen, maybe there, it's hard to judge there. I I certainly have been at games where I think one's going and it's not going, that kind of thing. However, it happened twice in this game where a Diamondbacks player hits one to the outfield and the call makes it sound like it's a no doubt about it home run. We don't need added stress in these games that we're viewing with that kind of thing. And then both of them end up uh, being caught there. So that happened when the diamond, then JT Real Muto in the eighth inning, he hits his, the call makes it sound like it's a lazy fly ball. I'm going, okay, where's that? Is that even fair? Is it foul? Is it even getting to the warning track? Where's the, and then that one go, gets out of the park and it's a home run. So 
I don't know what it, what was going on there, but yes, that was uh, that was on my radar. Again, I don't need the added anxiety during these games. I need to know what's happening when the ball is being hit. All right. Anyway, the Corbin Carroll one, Johan Roas again. It doesn't matter what he does at the play. I mean, this guy just tracks everything down in the outfield. He's so smooth. He's so fast. Uh, he tracks down that ball for the out. That ball, that hit, would have been out in 8 of 30 ballparks. 8 of 30 ballparks, that's a home run. If he just gets a little more of that, uh, it's a 2-2 game. If Rojas doesn't track it down, uh, it's a 2-1 game at that point. So uh, that was one where I found, and then I think that inning ended on Bryson Stott making a nice play, one of many nice plays uh, at second base. So yeah, I thought that that inning uh, was my CBC moment of the game, that fifth inning. This again, it wasn't like the, the CBC scale wasn't going off the charts. It wasn't if it, if we're talking one to ten, that was probably what like a like a five maybe. I mean, we're we're not talking about the most stressful playoff moment, but we had more than our share in games three and four. I mean, we had roughly four hundred CBC moments in that game, so this was nice. Again, it wasn't uh, like a necessarily a comfortable blowout. It wasn't like ten nothing or anything like that. But at the same time, the way Wheeler pitched, he just didn't get in a lot of trouble. And there weren't a lot of those moments where he said, oh, no, right now it's make or break. They're either going to win this game right now or lose this game right now. Uh, The game was just not filled with those kinds of moments. All right. Next up, we are going with our underrated moment of the game. And this moment, you know what? It's probably a bad name for the category because I don't know that the moment is going to be underrated. It's a, it was a big moment. Everyone's going to be talking about it. I thought the meaning behind the moment maybe is a little underrated. So let me explain. Second run the Phillies scored in the first inning. Okay, I thought this said so much about the Phillies' approach and about Rob Thompson specifically and why I think he is a very, very good manager, the right manager for this team has the right makeup, the right mindset uh, to be in that seat. So uh, this is the double steal. You know, Bryson Stott, they, Bryson Stott uh, it's first and third. He goes to take second. Rob Thompson said we wanted to put the pressure on there. They throw to second. Bryce Harper takes off for home. Marte throws it home. Not a good throw. Collision at the plate. Harper scores. All of a sudden, you were up 2 nothing in this game. So again, that was a called play. That wasn't like, okay, Harper seeing Stott steal. They just wanted Stott to steal. And then Harper makes a decision, uh, which at the time I wasn't sure. I did think it was a called uh, called play, but I wasn't. I, I wanted to get confirmation after the game. And yeah, Rob Thompson said uh, that was absolutely, you know, they, they, they had the sign on for it. They signaled it and they wanted to put pressure on the Diamondbacks. They had scouted it. They thought they knew how the Diamondbacks would probably play it. At the same time, a good throw gets Bryce Harper at home. And that's what Thompson said. He said, you know, we wanted to force them to make two really good throws, get the timing down, get the catch, get the tag. Uh, And if they do that, you know, and we get out at home, so be it. We're willing to kind of take take that risk. But the throw home was not a good one. Uh, They couldn't catch it. Uh, Again, a collision. And Harper scores the Phillies manufacture a run by being aggressive. So the meaning. Why, why am I saying this was meaningful, a meaningful run beyond uh, uh, just the, you know, get going up to nothing there? 
It's not the Philly special, okay? This is no no pun intended, the, the name of the podcast. This was not the Philly special from Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. But I do love that a day after getting absolutely killed by just about everyone for that game four loss, Rob Thompson came into this game and was not going to, to manage this game scared. He was not going to be afraid to be second-guessed. If Harper's out at home there and the Phillies lose this game by one run and are down 3-2 coming back to Philadelphia, think about the conversations around Rob Thompson. Think, I mean, it is dominating. Every aspect of Phillies conversations right now is about Rob Thompson and how he completely botched the series with those games in Arizona, and that if the Phillies do not make the World Series, he is the one to blame. He's, he's He would be getting absolutely ripped apart right now. But you know what? When you are the coach, when you are the manager at the professional level, you can't make those decisions based on worst case scenario, based on fear. You have to have that very specific tunnel vision where the only thing that matters is what gives your team the best chance to win. That is all that matters. And that's what Rob Thompson did. And that's what he continues to do. Okay, so, I mean, even after game four, like you just saw him answering those questions. He doesn't get agitated by the line of questioning, at least publicly. I mean, I I don't know, maybe the beat writers would say uh, something differently behind the scenes. I don't think so. I think he's a, he seems to be a pretty authentic, authentic guy, but I love, uh, you know, for those of you who listen to the NFL stuff on the ringer, I'd love the NFL coaches who understand their jobs. Like a guy like Mike Tomlin understands what his job is. Rob Thompson understands what his job is. Like he's not out there um, coaching, sca- managing scared. He's not making decisions. Like he's not wor- uh, worried about having to answer questions about unorthodox decisions he made. Again, I'm not saying all his decisions were right. I was with you, Kelly. I did not want to see Craig Kimbrell in game four. I'm with you there, but I'm talking about the mindset, the makeup of the manager and what it takes. And I thought that really said a lot, that coming off those two losses, coming off that game four loss, you're in the first inning of this game, and you're thinking, let's be aggressive, let's put pressure on them, let's steal a run here. And in this instance, it worked out. So uh, I thought that moment really said a lot about his approach, and uh, it's an approach that I like from my manager. All right, let's get to some leftovers. I thought this was a great Bryson Stott game. I mean, I I don't even know. uh, No, I don't think I mentioned it so far. So that first inning, you know, Kyle Schwarber has the infield single. Bryce Harper just absolutely smokes one uh, to center field. And you have first and third. uh, Boehm gets out. You have first and third with two outs there. And Bryson Stott comes through with the hit to drive in. Kyle Schwarber gets the Phillies on the board first in this game, which I don't know if there's a statistical correlation or not, but I know as a fan watching this team, man, I really love it when they score first. It eases some of that uh, anxiety. So that was a huge two-out hit for Bryson Stott. Uh, I thought he might have had maybe the most impressive defensive play by a Phillies player 
in the postseason, if you're just looking, talking about like, uh, you know, one play and degree of difficulty. And again, most impressive, maybe not most critical. I mean, they've had some big defensive plays in big spots, but seventh inning, I mean, he had a full extension to Rob Perdomo. Uh, of a single there. Uh, just a fantastic defensive play. Nye, you know, uh, my daughter Nia ran into the office after that one and said, you got to mention that one on the pod. So there you go. I did mention it on the pod. That was a fantastic defensive play. Stott's defense uh, has been terrific, was terrific. He had the one-liner, uh, you know, that went over his head, which I, I can't remember if it hit his glove or if he mistimed it. Um, that was the only one. But other than that, man, he's making a lot of these plays look routine. So he was great uh, defensively. He was two for four at the plate, uh, helped execute that double steal with Bryce Harper. You know, you start going and then the throw comes. You got to stop uh, there and make sure you don't get tagged out before Bryce Harper is able to get home. So they executed that one uh, well. So has not been a great series for Bryson Stott. I'm not saying that. You know, he's, he's actually struggled uh, a little bit in this series, but it was nice to see him come through in a big spot here. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I always trust that guy in a big spot. And honestly, the Phillies are like made up of so many guys like that. Most teams, it's one or two guys. This Phillies team, it's not just the stars like Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber. Uh, it's guys like Bryson Stott who you just trust in a big spot. And he came through, uh, I thought, in a big way here in game five. All right, the next one here. All right, this one's um, pretty random, but listen, it's like... Uh, it's 12.30 in the morning, and I'm talking to myself uh, in my office while everyone else in the house is asleep. So if I can't unload these thoughts right now, then when can I unload these thoughts? The broadcast. Did you hear Jeff Francoeur kept using the phrase chest lettuce? Has anyone heard this before? I mean, he was talking about, you know, Nick Castellanos and uh, Rojas, how they unbutton their jerseys, which don't get me wrong. I love that storyline. I can't get enough of that storyline. But he kept talking about their chest lettuce now. I assume usually when I hear like lettuce, it's either hair, like, oh, he's got a, you know, he's got a nice lettuce on him uh, or whatever. Or, you know, I use it in like the in money. Like, yeah, I got a little lettuce on the uh, Eagles minus two and a half. That's how I use it. I would I assume in this scenario, he means hair, but uh, those guys don't have hairy chests from what I can tell. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I feel like I examined that kind of thing pretty closely. I don't think they have hairy chests, so I don't know why he's saying they're letting the chest lettuce show. There's not a lot of chest lettuce on either of those two guys. So unless I am not understanding what he's talking about or unless I am underrating uh, the chest hair on either Nick Castellanos or Johan Rojas, I don't really understand what was going on there. Now, having said that, I'm not ripping him. I like the phrase. I mean, once I understand what it is, I'll probably be using chest lettuce uh, left and right throughout the course of, uh, of my life here. But uh, I just need a little help there. What am I missing? He has to be talking about chest hair, I guess, but I don't know. They didn't have a lot of chest lettuce showing, if that's what he was talking about. I also was wondering if he like lost some type of bet where a buddy was like, you have to say any, any phrase that I of my choosing, you have to say it like three times on your broadcast. Like if you had a friend who was doing these games, you'd probably make those kind of bet, bets, right? Where there would just be these little morsels that are just for you with, with so many people watching, but it's like, oh, no, yep, that one was just for me because he lost this uh, bet. So maybe that that's what it was, but uh, chest lettuce, that was interesting. All right, I'll move on. Phillies are 19 and nine with Rob Thompson in the postseason, the last two seasons coming in. 
They've won, I believe, three series as underdogs, right? Last year, it was the Cardinals and the Braves. This year, uh, the Braves. So um, I felt like this was a good zoom out game. Like I was saying before, I have no issue with him getting killed for game four. Listen, hope there's probably going to be, if the Phillies lose this series, we're going to be crushing him for something. If they lose in the World Series, we're going to be crushing him for something then. I understand that. That's part of the job. Uh, but I do think he also deserves credit when it's due. I don't think anyone feared that the Phillies were going to be tight in this game or that they were going to be play afraid. Uh, and I think that type of thing, you know, aside, and, and again, not to keep bringing up football, but in football, we always talk about, all right, you know, use of timeouts. And did he go for two in the right spot? Did he punt? And I love analyzing that stuff too, but sometimes you have to zoom out and the job of a coach or a manager is sort of like, like that's just one small aspect of it that we can analyze. But when you have a team that has kind of the right mindset and the right makeup in a big spot, uh, players deserve credit for that, no doubt, but also the manager for kind of creating that type of environment where guys can be themselves and play loose and be confident and let the leaders lead and let the players, uh, you know, kind of manage each other and uh, police each other, that type of environment. That definitely counts for something. And I do think he's created that in Philadelphia. Okay, next leftover. The solo home run streak is over. Thank goodness. 19 of 21 homers that the Phillies have hit this postseason have been solo home runs. They had 16 straight solo homers, which is just wild when you think about it. I think during the broadcast, they said that was the longest streak in a single postseason. Real Muto, eighth inning, two-run homer to left field, finally breaks that streak. So let's, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you when to use your home runs. You can use them whenever you want. But yes, it does help when there are guys on base. All right. Games three and four. Let's do a quick, I'm not going to talk too much about them. You, you've all had, you know, you've had your conversation. I mean, everybody was just on fire after that game four loss. All I will say is we cannot see Craig Kimbrell in a high leverage situation the rest of the postseason. Can't do it. Uh, he doesn't have it. You can see it. I can see it. We all knew what was going to happen when he came into that game in game four. Putting him back out there in a high leverage spot, whether it's this series or another series or whatever, uh, that would just be managerial malpractice, in my opinion. I'm not, you know, if you have to use him in a spot that is low leverage because you have nobody else, fine. But the role he's had all season, the role he's had for much of the postseason, that cannot be his role uh, for the remainder of the playoffs for however long they go. Jose Alvarado, Cousin Jeff, those are my high leverage guys. If you mix in a Sir Anthony, I mean, you have other options uh, you can go to. I'm not saying anyone's perfect. You have to exhaust the other options. Cannot go to Kimbrell. I was a little torn in game four. You know, I it got to that point in the game, and I said, well, like, if you manage the way Rob Thompson was managing in that game, you're only going to have so many options. Like you're not going to have this ideal situation where only the pitchers you want to pitch are going to pitch. You almost have to use uh, everybody there. And so I was kind of making that excuse for him, but at the same for for Rob Thompson. But at the same time, when you pull Christopher Sanchez, when you pulled him, 
you're making that decision. So it is on the manager that Kimberl ends up coming in uh, at the end. Like those decisions are not made, um, you know, separately from one another. They're not made in a vacuum. When you make that first move, you're opening up the possibility uh, for the second move, which the second move, no one wanted to see Craig Kimbrell uh, in that baseball game. So, um, you know, he's he's had a lot of good moments this season. Second half of the season was a little bit shaky. Right now, he doesn't have it. Uh, and so you just cannot put him out there. And I think Rob Thompson knows that. And I don't think, you know, I know he's been dinged previously. Or he's too loyal uh, to some of these guys. Actually, I don't think that's exactly what happened in game four. I, I think he got to that point in the game and it was like, all right, well, who am I going to put in uh, now? Lorenzen or Taiwan Walker or Craig Kimbrell? Then he puts in Kimbrell there. He kind of painted himself uh, into that box in that spot. So now you go forward knowing that you can't do that and you make decisions knowing that you can't do that. All right. Man, I'm emotionally excited. Again, I'm so thank. I if, if they had a baseball game, in like uh, what what is it? In, in in like twenty hours or so. I don't know that my body would be able to handle that. This is it, it's so fun, but it's so exhausting, and it's night after night after night. And for most of the postseason, those nights have felt like parties, and you're celebrating after. And I'm coming on here, and we're all like, "Man, this team is on a roll," and you're so confident. And then games three and four happen, and it is a totally different animal the way you feel after those games. You're like, "Why do I do this to myself?" Wait, oh, this is why uh, I sometimes hate this. Okay, yeah, this is part of the fan viewing experience. Like they almost made us forget about that with the way they were playing. Uh, you know, going in to game three, it was like, "Oh." yeah, we'll play a playoff baseball game tonight. It'll be fun. We'll all celebrate. It'll be a party. No, 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 no. There is another side to that, a side that we saw in games three and four. All right, let's finish with a couple housekeeping notes. First, shout out to listener Zach Siskind. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Siskind, Siskind. I apologize. I should have asked you. I had a note in the last pod. I think it was the last pod. It was one of the last few pods where I was talking about how Taiwan Walker was a great vibes guy in the dugout, how he was always there on the top step, even though he didn't really have a role on the team in the playoffs. He was still into the games uh, and how much I liked that. And I mentioned that a listener had actually pointed that out to me. However, I forgot to attribute which listener it was. That's a terrible job by me. I forgot to mention that it was Zach. So it was Zach. Zach hit me up. He said, I was listening to the pod. I was bragging to my wife that I was about to get a mention. She's making coffee. She's rolling her eyes. And then I didn't get a mention. So like she was right. She didn't believe me. And then she was proven right. Well, no, you are getting the mention. I didn't mean to make you look back there, especially in front of your wife. I mean, I just feel terrible uh, about that. It's these little victories you got to get for a happy marriage. So hopefully your wife listens to this one. That was your take. It was an excellent take. And thank you, Zach, for listening. And then the other thing, we've been talking about the Garrett Stubb celebration, right? Him smacking his butt uh, throughout the playoffs. Is he riding a pony? Is he riding a bull? Is he just smacking his butt? What is he doing Well, Todd Zalecki got to the bottom of it, covers the Phillies for MLB.com. He came through with the story. He says, Stubbs has been smacking himself on the butt like a jockey whenever a Phillies player homers. Stubbs calls it, quote, riding the pony. 
And these are the quotes from Garrett Stubbs. It didn't come from anywhere. I did it after Casty hit his home run in game three of the NLDS, and it felt really good. So I was like, okay, I'm doing it again. Then he hits another home homer, and Harp hits a homer. So I just kept doing it because we kept scoring, and it was fun to do. And then Schwarber started doing it with me. Just felt like a fun celebration. We're going to roll with it. So there you go. Not a little rhyme or reason. Riding the pony, uh, smack the butt when someone hits a home run. Uh, I'm in. Fantastic. Get the you know kids will be involved. Uh, you'll be seeing videos on Instagram of different kids doing it, hopefully, uh, as they hit home runs. Everyone do it. It's fun. What's not fun about that? Come on. You watch them. It's fun. You do it yourself at home. It's fun. So thank you to Todd Zalecki for getting to the bottom of it. And for those listening, we're like, finally, Shield will stop talking about this. It has been absolutely absurd how many minutes he spent discussing this on the podcast. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. And maybe I will. All right. Game six, Aaron Nola, Merrill Kelly, Citizens Bank Park on Monday. Nola has been fantastic in the postseason. Let's finish this on Monday night. We do not need a high-level CBC game seven. We cannot afford that. I mean, we might not survive that. Let's get a Rangers win Sunday night, because if the Rangers win on Sunday night, then they keep the Phillies game at 5.07 on Monday. I like the earlier start time. If you need the later start time, I apologize. I don't mean to speak for everyone. For me, I want the earlier start time, 5.07 on Monday. So if the Rangers uh, if the Rangers win, it stays at 5.07. If the Astros wrap up that series on Sunday night and win it in six, then the Phillies game gets moved to 8.07 on Monday. Monday night. So either 507 or 807. Either way, let's take care of business Monday and move on to the World Series. All right. That'll do get you a Michael Phil. All right. That will do it for this episode of the Ringers Philly Special. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Ace Producer Cliff Augustine. Late on a Saturday night, you say, no problem. I will produce that bad boy. I will get it up for the listeners so that they can listen to it on Sunday. Eagles don't play until Sunday night. You've got time to listen to this. Phillies don't play again until Monday. You've got plenty of time to listen to this. Solak and I will be back Sunday night after Eagles-Dolphins. If the Phillies win Monday, I will do a post-game pod. If they lose Monday, and I don't even like saying those words out loud, uh, I will wait until game seven. All right, everyone, recharge Sunday. Have a good one. And I will talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 
1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.